Blog Talk Radio. constitutes family 
is this family just bloodline, but how do we also extend this to include uh, communities? You know, look at the the roles and, and the relationships that we play. So with a little bit of that, let me give to, while we get situated, give it to Minister Latrice. Minister Latrice, why don't you start us out on exactly, get us get our feet wet. Give us a little concept or perception of, of what we could use to be, you know, what we should, how black family is defined. And then maybe we can build from there. Okay. Um, first of all, what we would consider a traditional fam, a black family, you know, would be um, a husband and a wife, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever you want to call it, your situation, and you're raising kids together. That's what the, the black family used to be. Um, in 2017, um, what I have noticed is the black family can be, um, it can be, a single mother um and her grand and her mother as a you know as a grandmother raising raising the kids by themselves um whether it be a homosexual couple uh you, the the family nucleus has changed period i mean whether we like it or not it has so we can either focus that anymore or we can um in my opinion go with what we have and, and, and build from there or, or get it back to what it, what it should be. Um, but let's be real. Um, you know, you might have a single mother, right? And then she may have um, her mom helping her. She may have an aunt helping her to raise these kids or, you know, um, whether it be, you know, the, just the after father incarceration, you know, whatever the case may be. So we can't, we can't um although we we know what the what the black family is supposed to look like we got to be real that's not what it looks like anymore now we can we can identify how we get back there but let's not forget that that's not what it is in 2017 for the majority of our people mm-hmm. can you can you hear me yeah, I can hear you. Okay. I hear. Um, yeah, you know, but here's a here's a good question. Do we want to go back? Is going back to what it looked like before advantageous to us? Is it going to be something that push us forward? And is it realistic for us to think that we can that we can go back? I mean, the, the damage is major, it's extensive, but is it irre- irreversible? Do we just build? You know, I mean, you know what I mean by that? I mean, nothing. We we shouldn't remain in devastation. So that's never the you know never a position for us but i mean is the damage too severe for us to really start to look back on what the black family used to be defied as would that be like romanticism or living glory days or do we start to redefine and build our social structure around the new black family um in my in my personal opinion it's never too late Okay, I mean, if we go back to the to Willie Lynch letters of the 1700s, they knew back then what it took to break down, uh, you know, um, Africans as a whole. And that was to split up the family. Okay, so, yeah, we need to go back to that. It's not impossible. It's not, it's not unobtainable. However, um, you you have to you have to identify how the how the the black family got broken down in the first place because it's not a it's not a, a black and white 
cut and dry type of um, type of issue here. I mean, there's a, there's various reasons, you know, um, depending on on where what what part of the, the country you live in. You know, um, if you live on the West Coast, it might be a, a combination of the industrial prison complex and uh, gangs, you know, uh, losing our black men to, to, to gang violence. Or, you know, if you live in Chicago, you know, you have, you may, you, you may see some different issues there than you would see on the West Coast. So um, the problems are situational. However, it, 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 it all boils down to, to a few things. So... Um, it, what, what has happened is there's there's been a vicious cycle. It didn't start mm-hmm. with us, but but it can end with us. Mm-hmm. I think you know when we go back looking at you, one of the things I suggest with I've, I've always been a big proponent of man. People I've, they know me. People who know me know that I stand on this, and that's just right thinking. You know what I'm saying? Like you were talking about the various problems in 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 all the cities. Some may be gang problems. Some may be drugs. Some may be home, homelessness or whatever, but all the problems, and especially those problems that ex, that come from our community, that extend out of us, still have a reoccurring theme, and it goes back to what you were saying, is that Willie Lynch letters and how they have destroyed the structure of black family. They took that security. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they did that. I'm not just talking about in this time when they came out to make sure that the black woman or the black child would not feel secure with this black man. They could be violated any time, and the black man would feel demasculated, you know, um, and not and, and understanding that he can't even answer a primitive call of nature, and that's to secure and defend and provide for the things that he loves and cares for, and, and that's his family in particular. So I say that to say now with that image being destroyed and that being the only image, manhood being held up, where does that leave the black man and the black woman? If a black man can't live up to this image of um, manhood is, you know what I'm saying, and it's not an image that we've given, an image placed in, in the minds of society of what manhood, is, what manhood is, where does that leave the black man and the black woman, and how do they cultivate a relationship that will lend to building a strong black family? That's, you know, I think for me that's like the, the biggest question. How do we address that socially, culturally? That's realistic. That's not like what you say, go back to the, you know, and there's no disrespect out there listening, but they go back to the hoteps, the Kim, you know, all the mites and isites and shizites and all and all of that good stuff, you know, not knocking nobody's religion, but present something that's realistic that will let us get the basic essential food, clothes, and shelter, you know what I'm saying, that we have a right to that. But how does black family contribute to that? How can we start to paint a picture that is that will start to gear us to raise our women and our children and need ourselves towards that goal. Um, for me, uh, I choose to start by living as an example. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, what I mean by that is, I've been a single mother before. You know, raising three boys by myself. You know, and I, I did that for I did that for ten years. And it wasn't because I wanted to be, you know. Um, I just had some some deadbeat, you know, and 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 that's not nothing that I um, let hold me back because it takes two. So, um, you know, I so I, I found a man that um, 
you know, it was love me, love my kids, and we started a family, and then, you know, we had two more kids after that. So I tried to use my own testimony, not only when talking to young black women, but young black men as well, you know, um, especially single moms, because um, women tend to, um, especially single mothers, tend to uh, think of themselves as damaged goods, you know, so on and so forth, uh, you know, and that this is just what life, the cards that life has dealt to them. And it's somebody out there for everybody, in my opinion. So I try to lead by example. You know, um, I'm not talking to any, when I go out here and I'm talking to these women, I can relate. You know, it's not like, oh, well, Latrice, you know, you don't understand. You got a husband. Okay, well, I didn't always have a husband. I was out here, you know, trying to work and go to school full-time, you know, doing both full-time and raise kids. So I I understand the plight. But at the same time, I was able to get myself out of that situation, but that that took some internal um, reprogramming on my end. I had to change the way I thought mentally because I had to do it for so long, I became overly independent. What's What's one of you the know, first things you had? To, that's what I'm talking about. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Change the way you think. What's one of the first, the first things you had to change, and one of your most difficult challenges you had to face as a black woman facing this? You got children, and you're still trying to live. What was one of the first things you realized you had to change about your thinking? And what was one of the most difficult physical aspects you had to change? Um, the 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 it was two things actually that played a major part in one was allowing myself to be vulnerable enough or put my guard down long enough to let a man in. You know, um, it was to the point where I didn't care who it came from. I'm looking at your your, uh, compliment sideways. You know, um, a word has been created, um, a term that I hate now, and it's men being called thirsty. You know what I'm saying? A man give you a compliment and, um, you know, okay. you don't know what his agenda is. You thinking, you know, he's coming at you on a physical tip. So, you know, you ain't really giving this dude a time of day. And what I realized is I probably friend zoned a lot of good men because, you know, I had just due to previous experiences like, oh, here we go again. I'm not doing this again. I'm doing good by myself. And here come, right. here he comes. Okay. And, you know, Listen. he slid in my DMs, you know? Minister. Minister, let me let me yeah. get because I gotta ask a question because one of the things that we do do on the radio, we're trying to cross those lines of you know understanding. So we got some listeners that you know probably not hip to the lingo, especially those over forty now because it was changed so quick. <laughs> give a brief description. Give you know when you you say thirsty, you throwing in and you know you probably got some people. Well, what's wrong with the brother being thirsty? He might be a hard worker. You know, get him something to drink. So okay, so the part the thirsty. The term thirsty is uh, a way that women um, peg men who, you know, may be uh, trying to compliment them or, you know, um, you know, uh, say, for instance, a, a young woman posts a picture of herself on Facebook, you know, or on social media, and, you know, here come 50 men underneath her post commenting and saying, you know, telling her, how much of a beautiful black goddess she is and, you know, just all that kind of, um, you know, um, meaning that they're parched, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they, they need something to be quenched, 
you know, so that's where the term thirsty came from or, you know, um, you know, so what has happened is, well, what happened for me is I, you know, I, I didn't give anybody my time of day because I was trying to get myself right, you know, after the relationship that I had been in. So I probably passed up on a lot of good brothers. And then the second thing that I had to change was um, I was raised to be, you know, submissive, so on and so forth. But what I had done over time was I was submissive to all the wrong men. So I'm like, okay, well, if I did all this right and I did what my mom taught me how to do, how come, I, you know, I still go through this same thing? How come? But I had to realize that it was two things. One, it wasn't me. I need to change up the caliber of men I was attracting. And then two, um, I had become overly independent because I was used to doing things for myself so long to where, um, you know, I wouldn't even let a man take me on a date because I didn't want him feeling like he needed something. He, you know, had something coming to him in return afterwards. Now he may not have had that, that, that in his mind, but in my mind, that's what I thought it was. So I had to reprogram myself, my way of thinking, who I was attracted to, the type of man, where I would meet a man, so on and so forth, you know, um, all of that to, to, you know, and so when I finally did find my husband, we had been talking for a year. Now, this was new to me. We had been talking for a year before I let him meet my children, before we did anything physical or anything. And what that gave me the opportunity to do is to um, not get caught up, you know, in the physical aspect of things and um, turn this into some type of fairy tale that really didn't exist or see things in a man that really didn't exist. Because a lot of times we as women will ignore the signs. You know what I'm saying? So I had to re- completely reprogram myself is what I had to do. So let me ask you this. When you was out there, you know, when you was going through the date scene or whatever, and there again, this is People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, Independence Black Talk Radio, man, we're chopping it up. We're talking about the role of black family in the black liberation struggle, male and female relationships, child ring, everything that is pertinent and has to do with black family as it affects us directly as a people. We're talking about problems and definitely seeking out solutions. We got Minister Latrice on with us, one of the panelists, and we would love for you to join in. Press 1, we acknowledge you if you have a question, comment, opinion, or whatever. Um, but want to go back to you, Minister. One of the things that, since you were out in the day team, was there a particular type of brother? Was there a reoccurring theme? Is there a culture that maybe, just asking from a female's perspective, that us as black men now demonstrate more uh, aggressively or less aggressively as opposed to our fathers and your father and the man that came before us, or is it the same, or is it looking like the same thing? Um, Oh, yeah, I I do. I understand the question. I definitely had a type. You understand what I'm saying? And um, I will say that my husband is the exact opposite of the type of men that I have dated my entire life. You know, um, I would only date men, you had to, I'm tall, you know, I'm 5'9", so I would only date a man, you had to be at least 6'1", six, 6'2". Six, you know, I dated the, 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 from a physical aspect, you you had to be tall, light-skinned with, with, with pretty hair. And, and, and 
all that did, all I got out of that was some beautiful kids. But at the end of the day, um, that's about it, you know. And um, the I was more interested in this. You know, I'm in my 20s at this point. You know, if he had a little bit of swagger about him or, you know, um, he, you know, uh, dressed a certain way, had a certain type of car. These are all the things that, you know, would catch my eye. Now I look at those same things and, you know, when I met my husband, um, first of all, he's 5'7". He drove a Honda Accord and he bald-headed. He has no hair. You know, so he and wears glasses. None of the things that I that I have ever been attracted to, but little did I know that he didn't have any of the things that I wanted, but he had everything that I needed. And it 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 that came from me reprogramming myself to realize, you know, I had to look at myself and I'm like, okay, well, am I the common denominator here? Because I, you know, I'm stuck on a certain type dude, and they all doing me wrong or whatever, maybe I need to switch it up and, and, and let that go, you well, know, and you... it wasn't until I did that. Okay. Let me ask you a question because we were talking about Willie Lynch. Just to put you a little bit on the spot, I heard your description at first. Do you think, you know, what you and, – and, and the pretty hair is really what kills me. You know, I get tickled. Yeah. Um, but do you think that the Willie Lynch had anything to do or how much of an influence was Willie Lynch on your process of picking? A brother, you know what I'm saying, what you were looking for, what you thought success was. Do you think that that affected you a lot? And if it did, do now you see the areas and what areas uh, did it did it affect you? Um, yeah, in retrospect, I am almost ashamed of my thought process as a 20-year-old. As a you know, I'm in my mid-30s now, so I look at things a lot differently. But um, I won't say ashamed. I'm, you know, uh, more so um, embarrassed at the at the way my mindset worked. However, what I, I won't say that it was um, it was directly like um, the Willie Lynch uh, letters uh, directly affected my my men picking process. But I will say that probably indirectly because we, you know, even back then certain type of men were considered bucks or, or, you know, were worth more because they held a stature or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I will add that um, for me, I'm Creole. So now we're talking about a totally different uh, realm of people, okay, and, and, and uh, what you would call the paper bag cat. Okay, so I was raised with a grandmother, when you had a kid, the first thing she did was look at your fingertips and your ears, the tip of your ears. And she would look at him and say, oh, he's going he gonna to be light-skinned or he's going to be dark-skinned, or she'd look at their hair. And if you, if you were born with curly hair, she knew your hair would be nappy. If your hair was straight and it stayed straight for a little while, you was going to end up with a good grade of hair, according to her theory. You know what I'm saying? But this is how they were raised during that time. You know what I mean? So, I um, mean, if you know anything about especially New Orleans Creoles, then you know what I'm talking about, you know, to the viewers, to the listeners out there. So I was raised to, to, to that, you know, um, and even within my own family, it was looked at, you know, oh, what, you know, your baby came out dark or your baby came out with this kind of hair. All my uncles look a certain way. So my all my men kind of look like what my uncles would look like just because that's the only type of men that I've ever seen around. Not my dad. It's always been my uncle. 
So I became attracted to that type of man. And it's and it's you listen. I think you would be surprised how commonplace that is just in every family, even outside the Creole um, culture. You know that light complected versus and then we, you know, but look at how we're bombarded with that image on television. You know, what I'm saying yeah. a lot of our actors, a lot of our entertainers, for the most part, um, when blacks were accepted, they were light, bright, definitely white. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of that is a lot of it is a spillover. So you, you're absolutely right. And it and, and and it doesn't just affect women. You got brothers still, you know, caught up on the same. Oh thing. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, I had to reprogram myself. So once I stepped away from all these things, because you know I, I just really looked at it like, okay, what did I do wrong? You know, it wasn't necessarily that I may have done anything wrong in the relationship. I think the my part in the wrongness was uh, was my selection process, you know, or um, uh, picking or whether it be the location, the type of man, so on and so forth. You know, you can't get me to go to a club now, let alone pick up a man in one. You know what I mean? But back then, you know, that's. Uh, that's what we did. So um, once I changed my mind frame, then I was able to find a man that, um, although he didn't meet any of the criteria that I used to have for myself, like I said, he possessed all of the qualities that I needed, and some I didn't even know that I needed. Mm-hmm. And the and the main one that the uh, the quality that he possessed was the active role that he immediately had an interest in for my kids, for my boys. You know, I had mama's boys. That's I'm all they knew. You know, they used to whine and be up underneath me 24-7, you know, and when he stepped on the scene, then all of a sudden, um, you know, I started to see a change in them, just small things, you know, teaching them things like, hey, when I shake your hand, give me a firm grip, look at me in your eyes. If you want somebody to respect you, these type of things. You know, and I'm not saying that a woman can't give you that, teach her son that, but those are the type of things that he brought to the table. Yeah, it's important. I think, listen, I, I am a firm believer in masculine energy. You know, and those things are important. If it's nothing but just a transference of energy, just to have – be able to have a a male around a male presence, you know that's that's real important. You know that's why I advise the brothers man out here in the in, in the hood, and I got a lot of um, close young brothers that I'm close with that working with those brothers like that and providing that organization and structure. Man, please shout out to those brothers that are out there getting it, you know, and they know who they are. But absolutely, presenting that that male energy is super important and stepping in. So it's good to hear that you're saying. Sharing with us the importance of fatherhood, you know, in in the black family. So, do you think have you, with all of that and everything that has culminated in your life and come together the way that it has, do you see it pushing? Is it pushing your development and growth in the liberation struggle farther, or are the challenges a lot of times real overwhelming? Um, I see less challenges actually because I'm not going through this alone. You know, and when you have a mate that believes in the same things you do, you face less opposition, you know, because um, not only do I believe in the black family and believe in 
black liberation, I have a husband that now stands by my side and we, we, we fight through this together, you know, and I'm stronger because of him and he's stronger because of, you know, because of me, you know, so um, when it comes to, you know, being a panther or, um, you know, just uh, a revolutionary or in whatever sector of my life, I have somebody that I have a, a ride or die literally that, that is by my side. So anything that I go through in life, it's a little bit easier now, I, I will say. Okay. Okay, that's that's important. So I think that that's important. I think the key thing that I that I grabbed from all of that was having a like-minded companion. Oh yeah. You know, your mate has to be like-minded, sharing some of the same values and goals and beliefs that you have, and and an, an objective, a long-term objective that you have. You know, because you find that's one of the challenges that I see in the in the party, people coming in the party looking into it. You know, I have membership that um have children and they keep that life separate. Well, you know, I'm a parent but I don't want my children to know, I don't want them a part of this. How do you find that as a you know, for me as a brother, as a man, it's different. You know, we'll we'll come, we'll go, we teach the children, you know, we just come right in there. But how do you balance that as being a mother and putting that a healthy dose of that in their diet? without borderline extremism or making them to the point where they're socially awkward. You know what I'm you know where I'm coming from? That they're helping yeah. what they're doing. They know who they are, but they're not socially awkward. Uh I have a teenage son and, you know, my kids range from, from, from two to fifteen, you know, so I have a teenage son who um there isn't a day and it might be something small, it may be something large. I don't try to over um or bombard my kids uh, with too much information, but I make sure that um, even if I'm cooking or, you know, he's in there cleaning the kitchen and he's listening to music, you know, I'll I'll stop the music and I'll say, well, do you know who that is? Or do you know what he just said? And he's like, no, I don't know what that is. And I'm like, okay, you probably shouldn't be listening to something where you you don't know where he said, what he said, or do you know what this actual rapper's, Stances on black women, you know, he, I'll give you an example. He was listening to a song by Kodak Black. Kodak Black made a statement a while back that, he, you know, these are the kind of people that our kids are, you know, exposed to. So I don't listen to that. So he didn't hear it from home. But um, he was listening to this song, and I had happened to see an article maybe a couple of days or an interview with Kodak Black, and I knew that my son listened to him, so I decided to listen to the interview to kind of figure out where this cat's head was at. You know, so in the article, he said that um, or in the interview, he said that he don't uh, he don't date black women. He doesn't he doesn't like black women, especially dark skinned women. And um, so I paused the song and I told him, I said, you know, do you know that he feels this way? And then he said, no, I didn't know that. So I let him listen to the interview. So, you know, that turned into a life lesson, Um, whether it be, you know, the little boy that was just killed um, outside of Dallas area by the police. You know, we sit down and we have talks about that because he is the same age as that little boy. You know, and I try to tell him, you know, this is why I don't allow you to go certain places or I don't really want you walking anywhere. So then when I make it, I make it plain to him, then he understands. So I'm not giving him a history lesson all the time. You know, I let him know where we came from, what we had to deal with, 
what we are dealing with and what we are going to have to deal with. So he is fully aware. And I'm real with my kids in every aspect, whether it be, um, you know, your phones and texting and sending pictures, inappropriate pictures, whether it be um, white women and, you know, uh, or he might be attracted to a little white girl at school and I try to talk to him and, you know, and show him cases where, you know, these little white girls and got these black boys hemmed up, killed, you know, crying rape when they, it was consensual, you know, all those kind of things. I, I try to be real with him, but I don't want to bombard him. And because what I noticed growing up, it wasn't necessarily the, the Panther or a revolutionary movement, but with the church. Yeah. I noticed that, you know, um, what, you know, they call them preacher's kids for a reason. And they always say preacher's kids is bad. It's not that they're bad. They rebel, you know, because they have been forced into something so long. So I don't try to force anything on my children. Uh, I educate them here and there, you know, tidbits. Hey, read this book. Sit down and watch this documentary with me, you know, so on and so forth. And then from there I ask him his opinion or how does it make him feel. You know, and then his dad or, you know, his stepdad um, chimes in from a man's perspective, and we, we turn it into a family discussion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that, because, you know, that's that's important. I think, you know, that's what's super important, that our children get a healthy dose of reality and the reality of, of who they are and what system that they're, they're, they're actually in. You know, one of the one of the, the let me see. I think it's number five. Listen, don't get all the membership out there. If it isn't number five, forgive your chairman. But point number five in our ten point platform and program um, says we want an education teaching us the true nature of this, of this devilish society as it relates to the, black, the African man and woman here, or the black man and woman here in America, and his or her place and role in it. See, and that's important that we teach our children their place and role in this society, and the place and role that they would like to put us in. That's the vast difference. You know, a lot of parents that I talk to, they speak, you know, when they teach their children, they teach them about our role, they're teaching them from a role of fear. Now, it's different than what we do as progressives, as revolutionaries, as black liberation and freedom fighters. We teach out, we're warning our children. And it's a shame we live in a world that we have to sit here and warn our children. You know, I have to tell my child, be careful when you wear a hood. You know, when you're going in the store, make sure they can see your face, this and that, because, you know, these suckers are trigger happy and they're scared of black people. And I don't want them to mistake you as someone that is, is shootable and it won't be repercussions. So now I have to teach them to be aware. But there are some parents who wear this Willie Lynch where he said strike fear in them, <clears throat> teach their children from a subjective standpoint, from being very, the you know, this society has made such an impression on them, has scared us so much that, you know, I watch fathers say, don't do this, boy, don't do that, don't, you know, our mothers, don't do this, don't do that. And not saying that, understanding why they're behaving that way is they want you in this place or this role in society, but your real place is this. This is this is who you are. And you raised a good question, and, and I love for our audience to chime in on it. And this is Independence Black Talk Radio, People's Black Panther Party for Self Determination. I'm your host, Chairman um, Yang and Krumah. We got Minister Latrice on with us. The thing is, the role of the black family in the African liberation struggle. But here's my question that I'm posing to everyone, and push one if you like to chime in. It's um, like the sister brought up, which is very real. We don't want to bombard our children 
but what is what is when we're so far behind? What is Barbon? How much is too much? Do, am I the only parent, or are there parents out there that go through what I what I go through? And now I'm hearing what the minister Latrice goes through. How much is too much? How much is too much? And how do we give it to our children and our families and people around us um, to where it will be enough to influence or at least spark a a a element of ember? Of consciousness to the Africanness, so you know, and I'll and I'll let um Minister Latrice start that off. So when we say bombard them are too much, how, where's the where's the enough button or lever? You know, I I have to find a fine balance between letting my son or letting my kids just be kids, and um scaring him to death because let's right. be real in 2017 the things that are going on are scary mm. you know are to a child you know I don't want to get him to the point where he's scared to leave his home because you know a cop may roll up on him and think that he you know is you know doing something suspicious but at the same time I don't want him to go out in these streets and be naive either you know what I'm saying? Um, you have to have these talks with your kids. I mean, it's, it's sad that it's reality, but, you know, he's getting ready to get his permit soon. So now I have to have these talks about him. You know, uh, you know, back then it wasn't a problem. It was nothing to, you know, hey, let me get, you know, four of my friends together. Now you got a car. They don't have a car. Everybody want to hop in the car with you. But it's not safe to run around four or five deep in the car anymore. Not with four or five black men. Not with four or five okay. black youth. You know what I'm saying? So I have to I have to have these talks with him. Look, when you get your car or when you get in a car with somebody else, I don't want you cramming into a car with a bunch of other boys. You don't need to ride, I'll take you. You know what I mean? But I don't want you to do that because that's not safe. Why are you safe? Mama, we're not doing anything wrong. Well, it's not that you're doing anything wrong. I'm trying to protect you because of the pattern that uh, goes on, you know, when you guys get behind the wheel of cars, so on and so forth. You know, so, so you as know. far as bombarding goes, that um, you have to find a balance between educating them and shoving it down their throats. Because as children, we know we all at some point rebelled against our parents or just mm-hmm. simply didn't want to hear it no more. Like, okay, I get it. You right. know, and it's no different than being strict or being overly lenient. If you are too strict on your kids, they're going to do it just because they want that taste of freedom. So I never want to put too much on my kids to where then they tune me out and they don't want to hear it anymore. That's right. But, you know, you said something, um, like you said, if they want to roll deep, like we used to call it, four five to a car. And we know that that's dangerous at this time. That leads to a good segue to explain the history behind, you know, like you were t- telling them, the pattern. And why the pattern exists. I think you just gave me a problem, you know, that that's the perfect time to take advantage of an opportunity to really go into some life lessons and the history of a beast that they're facing as as it pertains to the black man and the black woman in this society. I mean, it's not, it would be different if we were being uh, fanciful or if we were, you know, just making it up as we go. But it's real, it's real. And history bears witness that it's real. Let's go to our sister minister. Let's go to our phone lines for a moment. Eight three two five five four one. 
Your mic is open. Uh, good evening, Chairman, and good evening, Minister. How are you? This is K Mac. Good evening, Sister Queen. How are good you? Good evening. Ah, good, good. Um, excellent topic. Excellent, excellent topic. Um, I was listening to everything that your minister has gone through, and it, it very closely mirrors, you know, my own experience. Um, and you ask a great question, how much is the overload or, or when, when is it considered overload? Um, all of my children, my last one just turned 18. Uh, my oldest is 33. Um, I had the the blessing of marrying someone that I saw the first time and in five minutes. So I do believe at love at first sight, because that's exactly what happened. Um, and prior to him, I had actually been engaged four times. I was an authentic runaway bride. I was not trying to hear that. I was going to be a single parent um, that would just have children, home, um, money saved for their college education, my cars, and, you know, I would just – I'll find – a decent guy to have children with, with no ties, things of that nature, um, only because I saw that people change after marriage, and I didn't want that. I wanted that person to stay the same, um, and that was my naive way of thinking. Um, and I saw, to me, what once they said I do, they changed. It was just like a switch. So um, being that I was a tall hmm. When you say change, I mean you know, let's let let's let's stop there for a moment. Let's examine that. Sure. You know, because when we say, you know, you say, okay, they changed on this. Right. What I'm curious as to know what made them change because I'm coming from a man's perspective. One of the right. things that I've been studying and I'm studying with 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 my spiritual advisor is perspective. You know, when you talk right. to people. You just, you know, well, what perspective are you coming from? I have to understand when I'm quoting anything, a scripture or something from Atlanta Journal-Constitution, any piece of news, mm-hmm. I'm reading from a 45-year-old black man, black nationalist, revolutionary, spiritualist perspective. And I may be talking to a 60-year-old black woman straight from Mississippi. You know, so okay. though we're reading the same thing, the, what she's pulling from it, what I'm pulling from it, from it are, are two different, two different things. So I'm curious as to know when you say change, what change? Because maybe marriage in the man, he feels like, okay, you know, from his perspective, okay, certain dynamics must change. I must provide. I must protect. I must do this. I must do that. And then you slam with the reality, bam, hey, you make less than your wife. Do you have the right to say this? Or it's more advantageous for you to do something else, and that changes the whole dynamic. So you say change. How did he change on you, and why do you feel like he changed? And what do you, and um, in retrospect, do you feel that society and the Willie Lynch and everything like that had an effect directly or indirectly on that change? Well, first of all, my preference was I liked my men tall because I was 5'11". And so <laughs> I prefer to look up. So the average person that I dated was 6'6 six, six or taller. I just, if you were my height, I didn't want to hear you know, from me. The tallest I ever dated was seven four, and that was just ridiculous. That was too much. Um, I preferred my men to be darker. I love the chocolate men. I did not like light skin, um, pretty boys. Um, we spent too much time in the mirror, which was verified. 
um, always, you know, I look good, you make me look good, and it was like, that's just too much for me. I wanted a chocolate man. Um, and I'd always thought that that was much more sexier. Uh, I grew up in the time, uh, and no, I'm not 60, but I'm in my 50s, um, where uh, Jim Kelly, Fred Williamson, that was the ideal man. My dad was a lot like that. You know, that tough, I'm the man, we're going to get it done, this my woman, keep your hands off her, protect her, all of that. So when I say change, I mean that, okay, I got you now, and I don't have to chase you anymore. I don't have to do any of that cute stuff that I did to try and get you. Um, we don't have to hold hands. We don't have to hug. We don't have to have, to have those cute little nicknames. Um, now that I got you, you're my wife, uh, the fun is over. And that's just how it looked to me. Um, my parents did not display that. My dad called my mom, uh, in 53 years of marriage, that was his girl. We knew that that was his girl, you know? And, you know, she would walk by, he would pop her in the butt and I'd be like, that looked like it hurt, you know? And she was always, you know, kind of goofy, and he was kind of goofy. But when it came down to work, they worked together. That's what I wanted, what was demonstrated. Of course they argued. And sometimes I didn't like the way they argued because it was cruel. And I didn't want that part either. You know, I just wanted where we got along, where we were still flirtatious, where we still had fun, didn't mind disagreements, but don't ever call me out my name and degrade me. That's not what I wanted. So, um, let me. I would. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, to, I, I jumped in there because let me. No, you're fine. This. At this point, at this point in time, and if you had questions, Minister, wanted to come in, you know, feel free. Your mic is still open. Um, at this point okay. in time, were you at the development you are now? Were you? Did you guys share the common thread of ancestry and? heritage and culture and um liberation for the people or was it just what was your what was your moral and ethical compass in choosing your man? What were the criteria that he had to have? You know, type of thing. Well you know, he had to be tall and had to be, you know, dark and he had to be tall. Yeah, yeah. Well I would like he had to be handsome to me. Okay, that's a gift. It's you know, handsome to you. You know, beauty's out of beholder. But I mean what I mean what, you know, deep value qualities, the philosophical qualities, um, moral obligations and responsibilities, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. dedication and commitment, those type of things, what were some of those things that you were looking for in a man and what were they influenced by? Um, and that was another thing that was a problem. I couldn't find anybody who thought like I thought. Um, I grew up with five generations living. Um, my great-grandmother was born in 1895 when I was coming up. So I had the blessing of being with someone who understood slavery and the transition to non-slavery, which that just blew my brain. I was just like, whoa, you know, she was there. Um, she understood that and that transition. Um, I was able to ask questions. They were the people that taught me how to cook, how to bake, how to sew, uh, how to crochet, how to knit, 
Um, they also taught me how to write. Um, they taught me poetry. Uh, they taught me the victory garden. You know, everybody had a victory garden back in the day. You know, you could go in the backyard and um, grow houseplants, grow roses. Um, there was always some level of parable that went to sustaining and feeding. I watched them, you know, grow in their yard and take it to the neighbors who didn't have or have their kids come and pick in their yard. Hey, you know, we're out of string beans or carrots. We don't have collard greens. We don't have corn. And those kids could come over and grab out of that garden. I just thought that that was the coolest thing. You know, um, they taught us how to, um, I'm not going to say hoard, but store, you know, my grandmother and grandfather and great-grandparents, they had basements that were filled with supplies because I lived up north. And it was, you know, we could have an ice storm that would knock out power for days. But we always had food. There was always a way to warm the food. Um, we always had supplies. You could so have would, any kind of alley. Huh? Yeah. So you were coming up from that era where, you know, really they were teaching that self-sufficiency. So that's my question. Correct. Did any of those things, those very things, because that's what I'm talking about. Those are the things right. that I am talking about to reinstill in our people. So did any of that, right. you know, coming up under that, go into, okay, now I'm at the age where I'm looking for a mate, you know, and this is out there for the people. This is the role in the black liberation struggle. I'm looking for a mate. You know, I'm looking for someone to marry, to settle down with. Did any of those things go into your selection process? Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, because I was brought up with It Takes a Village. I went through rites of passage. Um, I unfortunately or fortunately was able to hold an actual bill of sale for my own people. Mm. I've held slave shackles. I've held my great-great-great-grandfather's headdress, you know, Mm. and I realized, you know, we got the Jewish stuff rolling. We got the Native American stuff rolling. We got the, the the African stuff rolling. We got the Christian thing rolling. We had all kinds of stuff, and we were taught to love. And you right. will help someone out. You got forty nine cents. Your bills are paid, and they need forty eight. You give it to them. You know, mm-hmm. and don't worry about how they spend it. Just give it to them because it's a gift. You can't tell them how to manage a gift. I mean. Parables left and right, and just constant education. And I was, it was instilled in me that we are here and we take care of one another. When you yeah. succeed, you make sure you reach back and pull them forward. You know, don't be walking off into the sunset by yourself, you know. And they were adamant about that. You know, gotcha. you don't go out there and taunt somebody because they have less than you, you get told, your butt told out the frame behind doing something like that. Mm-hmm. So You know what, and that's one of the biggest ways they destroyed us too, is what you're talking about, not just that disconnect from our predecessors, our, mm-hmm. our elders, those people that possess that wisdom, and not just that wisdom, but possess the way to implement mm-hmm. that wisdom and, you know, the discipline that we need in our village, but also it got us from that disconnect from our ancestry. You know, mm-hmm. um, my ancestors that, that have passed on and we've gotten away from, <clears throat> you know, because when you talk about what do they say, the best way you can honor some, I've, I've heard them tell me when, you know, I lost my grandfather who was very significant in my life as far as setting mm-hmm. the example of my manhood. Um, 
told me the best way to remember him is to do the things that he had taught me. Right. You know, so exactly. the best, best ways that we can honor and acknowledge our ancestors is by holding to the principles and philosophies that they have taught us through their example and actions. And what you're talking about, communalism, is absolutely one of mm-hmm. them. So it was, mm-hmm. you know, the separation that was in, was intentional. But, you know, my question is, if you're finding, okay, these brothers, if you're putting that in the selection process and you're finding a brother who, mm-hmm. because now I'm understanding that you're pretty, you know, around this time, even if you're not at your full revolutionary apex, if you haven't just fully matured into and blossomed into the queen you are now, you are on your way to becoming this queen. Right. So right. finding those brothers that are going that direction, what do you think? I mean, when you say they change, they have to do that. What a cultural dynamic? What change? Were they were they faking it? You know, and that's they, yeah, that was part of it because okay. I, I, my dad and and you know the men took an active role in teaching all of the girls in the family what to look for. Okay, and they were like, "Don't be in such a rush. You know, spread your legs. You know, um, talk to them." So for me to hold out, it didn't matter. I was cool with that, you know. Um, and, and they said, ask your question. You know, make sure they're like-minded. So, I mean, in the beginning, the relationship would be great. Um, I wasn't very sexual at all. I mean, I had my son the first time I was and you know, he and I stood together, but he hid a secret, you know. Um, prior to him, the ones that I dated, when we would start to talk and I would start talking about community, they would be like, ah, uh, bunk all that. I already knew. As soon as you said, I ain't wasting time with that, you know, it's going to be just me and you. That was a problem. That was a problem. Because That's... back in the day, we would call them Kool-Aid houses. And the Kool-Aid houses, if you got hurt, you could go to their house and get a Band-Aid. If you didn't eat, you can go to their house and get a meal. If you had nowhere to go, you could go to that house and sleep. And so I saw my parents do that. I've seen domestic violence incidences, and I would see my dad come home from work. Him and a bunch of brothers would go and get the man, and my mother and the other women would go get her. Knock that mess off. And I remember my mother saying, since you're the oldest child, go ahead and entertain the kids. Y'all go outside and play. So that was my role so that kids didn't get so impacted with the ugliness that adults do to one another. But, see, I saw that part, too. And so that scared me. But when the young men that I was dating, we would talk about, hey, you know, you know maybe we could do, you know, a rec center or, you know, have a pantry. And they were like, I'm not doing that. And it was like, okay. wait, what? Hold yeah. up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you got to set the quality, you gotta set the, Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You got to set the exactly. You got to set the exactly. I want to ask, I want to, because the minister, minister Latrice has been quiet and just, I know she comes to go into, because um, I want to go back a little bit and get her, her input yeah, on Yeah, I, I, I wanted to go back too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, jump in or wait for you said, to jump in. Um, there's one thing, sister, that you said that I, I wanted to ask you about. You said that, you know, although you saw your parents, be very loving you also saw you know an an ugly side you know with the arguing and so on and so forth do you think that that played a part 
and your outlook on men or wanting to be so, um, you know, or get away from that or be um, the opposite of what you saw growing up? So you didn't, you know, did, did that create a fear in you as far as with men? What it did is it created a fear in me because I am my father's daughter and I had his rage. Oh, and my mother, I don't want to hurt anybody. And then my mother had a rage, too. I watched her pick up one of them old-school roller kitchen chairs and throw it at my father. And so mm-hmm. I looked at it as I was a product of both of them. And I would never want to be like that for my child to see something. Two people I love scared me half to death. I didn't want that my child to look at me in that light either. And so I have to be careful to make sure that I keep my rage, because it wasn't anger, um, my rage under check because it had gotten loose for me at one point in time in life. Um, I had gotten jumped by five girls in school because I was one of those really short little freshmen, all of four, four or two, somewhere around there, and five girls jumped me. And I remember coming home and just crying. I was beat up. And my dad was like, you know, what the hell happened? And I told him, and he was like, okay. So he put on his guerrilla warfare mindset and taught me how to hunt them down, you know. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm going to be single for a while. But I did. I hunted them all down, got them one at a time. Um, The very last girl, so much rage had built up and hatred because I had never experienced hatred and rage like that before that I remember them, my dad pulling me off of her. And the parents were trying to sue me because I had cracked her skull. And, I mean, I was just slamming her head into the cement. I was that enraged. So that scared me because that's my father's rage. You know, I'm truly my father's daughter, and I never wanted someone to be able to get me that angry. So I always have to be on guard to keep that rage locked up. You know, so that was in my mind when I was in high school, around the age of 12, 13. Plus, I excelled. So I was already ahead, and I was always picked on, oh, you the baby, but, you know, I excelled. I graduated high school at 16. Um, And so always picked on, oh, you think you're smart, blah, blah, blah. But then the light-skinned girl, she's cute. Everybody wanted to date. Um, Unfortunately, I also experienced... um, I couldn't go anywhere by myself because I was accosted several times in different hallways um, as gross as, as the boys could be, they could be. It was dangerous being young, you know, and attractive and athletic. It was not a good time. It was just so that's it was wrong. The, I mean, to the, that's, the, that's the question. I'd like to hear that question, too, that minister posed. So even now I'm adding to that. <clears throat> she was saying about sure. her parents. Um, right, and he, it was a lot. Yeah, we went through with the young men accosting you, and right. did that go into um, you looking at brothers or how you how in in the relationship when you say they changed or when arguments arose or anything like that? Did that go into how you handled it? How you came up with solutions? Well, a lot of it when as soon as we got into an argument, that was one thing, but when um, unfortunately, I had 
two of them that did not like the fact that I was abstinent and decided that they were going to try and take it. And um, everything my father taught me, because he taught me how to box. Uh, He taught me how to shoot. (laughs) He taught me all of that, you know. Um, And that one time, I'll never forget it, my son was standing in the door, and I remember him hollering, Mommy, 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 don't hurt my mommy. And I lost it. The brother just went flying out the window. I hit him so hard, he went out the window. And I was like, that's it. This is what we're not going to do. This is exactly what I'm talking about. To bring me to a rage, because, you know, he was like, I'm going to call the police. I'm going to, you know, do this, do that. Um, I'm going to, you know, press charges. Because I have a rage inside me. A rage because I've seen my people hurt. A rage because I'm my father's daughter. A rage because I'm my mother's daughter. And so... I do not want anyone in my life that is going to pick at me until that rage shows because I was not able to handle it. I couldn't control it. Um, you br- you bring just- up a good point. I don't mean to cut you off. Just you bring, you bring uh-huh. up a good point. I, I want us to touch on that because, it, it, you know, it might be a different situation, but, it, you know, I, I've dealt with that too. We go through mm-hmm. things as women you know, traumatic experience, whether it be through childhood or whether it be through the first couple, you know, boyfriends, so on and so forth. And then we as women, we put this wall up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we go, we guard ourselves. And, you know, I like I said, I found myself not wanting to deal with men in that capacity. And I learned that, you know, I was I was traumatized from the things that I have been through. You know what, I just want mm-hmm. to leave myself. You know, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of good brothers that I passed up on because I wouldn't give them the time of day. But one thing I had to learn to do to get past that was, one, like I said, I had to reprogram myself. I had to um, look at the situation and say, you know, we as women will, we'll, you know, internalize it or say, well, this is what I did wrong or, you know, well, it must be something wrong with me, you know, whatever the case may be. But then the second thing um, that I had to do was let it go and, and begin to heal myself and say, look, all men are not the same, you know, mm-hmm. because I dealt with this man and he might have, have, you know, cheated on me or beat me or, you know, whatever the case may be. That doesn't necessarily mean that the next man will. And what I see with a lot of, of, of sisters, especially young ones, they become damaged goods in their eyes so early to where, um, and that's something that they never heal from. You know, and I tell my mother that all the time. My mother's in her 50s, and she still, to this day, if you bring up my dad, She's going to relive that whole relationship all over again, and she's going to get upset about it. And I'm like, what are you getting upset for? Like, that, you know, that was 30, 20 years ago. Mom, I'm like, chill. But she never let that go. And mm-hmm. I tell her all the time, you're in your 50s, you are single, you have been married four times, but the reason why they don't work is because you bring that baggage into every single relationship you have, and now – you know, you've never been able to get your family back on track. Right. Well, the thing is, as far as... Go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead, Minister, as far as... I won't touch it. No, that that was me, Kim. Um, Where I was coming from is 
unfortunately, um, I came up in a time where little boys and men just enjoyed us little girls. And so whoever I was with had to be my protector. Because if I don't have a protector, then my rage comes out. I'm going to jail. That's just how that's going to go. Never really had an issue opening up until they said something that I knew was going to go the wrong way. That's when I shut it down. Let me jump in here. I I have to jump in here as as brothers. Um, Because it comes from (laughs) Western. They say the definition of insanity is what I've heard. I haven't looked it up. Is doing the same thing, expecting different same thing results. Over. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so go back when I always go back to the fact of being, you know, a revolutionary black national spiritualist, whatever. <clears throat> Excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, if you don't have like, if you keep, if you have a certain type, okay, it didn't work out the first time, it didn't work out the second time. You, we have mm-hmm. this baggage. We're bringing the baggage, but we're making, you know, we're dealing with the same type that. Gave us the baggage, so now we're dealing with this. If we're dealing with the same type, they're going to put something in the damn bag because it. Right. So revolution at some point in time. This is why I wholeheartedly believe, and when we say revolutionary principles, <clears throat> excuse me, I think too. Mm-hmm. That's another discussion. Uh, when we say revolution, mm-hmm. we have to defy that because to me, when I say revolution, I'm not just talking about running up and down the street, waving a black fist or right. waving a gun or whatever in black leather. I'm talking about the complete. Right change, constructive change of black family, black, black economics, black social mm-hmm. cultural norms and practices. So when we talk about even going down to selecting, you know, I'm mm-hmm. asking, that's my question for the sisters, do you have a, if now well, one, your married sister, or you dating, do you have now or then a revolutionary type? And what are some things that you could say the sisters should look for and if there's tests, and I'm not talking, let's not get ridiculous, but I'm talking about little things to see if they're sincere and true to right. um, their platform. Because I'm not hearing what I'm not hearing the platform. I'm hearing, you know, the, the, the time factor, things men are going to do, because we're all animals. We're just high, higher evolved. So everything has a courting process, a courting ritual. Right. And as a man. And that's brother, the key. And that's, that's the key. That's the key. Courting. We're going to open door. We're going to roll through, you know. But this, is this something you expect long? All of that has to be spelled out. This is what you expect. This is the standard I'm going to exactly. hold. Exactly. For, for anything exactly. less. But based on, I think with men, though, they have to have a higher calling and a higher drive. That the woman, and, and we're discussing male, that was a part of our topic, too, male and female relationships and black liberation struggle. The woman can't be the the focal point and the center of attention. That has to be. The movement, God as defied, however he defies it. For me, aspects of God are revolution and liberation, freedom. So mm-hmm. God, so I, I would say God becomes that focal point. And so when I'm geared towards God being that focal point, I'm drawing and attracting and looking for the tools and instruments that's going to make me achieve these objectives. So our sisters, you know, our sisters encouraging sisters to do the same and finding that man, that mate, looking for that usefulness, not to be misused, but to be used. Is it a lack of that? I mean, what what is the template? What is the standard that our women are looking for? I think, brother got to have a book, brother suit, or you know. No, no, no. I think what it is 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 we we forget what love is really all about. You know, um, I know for me, I took a time out from dating for self introspection for almost seven years. I just stopped. 
because, as the minister said, common denominators meet. And I had to learn to control my rage. Um, you know, I lost some friends, unfortunately. Unfortunately, um, police doing their thing. Um, I had been minding my business going to the store. Police pull up. You know, back in that day, um, the police wouldn't hesitate to throw you against a cop car and fill you up if you're a girl. So we put up with a lot of stuff, and I understood where my rage was coming from. And I was blessed with my father's rage, and I call it a blessing. Um, it's also a curse, you know, because I couldn't strike back, you know, at this police officer. I'd probably be shot. I probably would never have children at this point in time. But I took some time out. I even left the state, and uh, among other things that occurred. And so I decided that the person in my world is going to have to wait for me for when I'm ready. He can't wait. I'm sorry, because it's about i got to make sure I'm okay in order to serve him, because I'm a very submissive type of woman. That's just how I am. I'm a very loving, open, I don't hold too much back. If, if, if it's me and you, it's me and you. And um, that's why I was kind of surprised when I saw my future husband in five minutes. I already knew I was marrying him. And he said, okay. And once that quick, whatever you want to call it, was over, the following week we actually had a conversation. I explained to him, and he said something I had never heard before. And he was like, I want to do with you everything you mentioned, because he was from Oakland. So he was familiar with the Black Panther Party. And he was just, he was just like me. He just had a mustache, you know. And then the other thing was he said that he would protect me, and no one would ever touch me wrong ever again, as long as he was on this earth. I believed him. And that was the part that I needed to know that not even he would mistreat me or touch me wrong, that he would protect me, that we could have the Kool-Aid house, that we could be active in our community. We talked about everything from raising our children. There was no topic that was off limits that didn't cause a conversation. Whereas the other young men, if I mentioned something, it was like, let's talk about something else. We couldn't even get past that. So with him, he was like, yeah, so discipline. How do you want to discipline it? Do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? And I'm like, yeah, I do. Do you believe in this? You know, I mean, we had conversations. He didn't mind waiting. And I mean, anything that he could talk about, I could relate to. And he could, and I could say, I don't understand because I'm not a man. And he would break it down for me. He taught me. And then yeah. he would ask questions of me, and I was able to teach him. And, you know, we were together 23 years, married almost 20 before he passed away. And so when he left, I felt that rage surge right back because my protection is gone. It's gone. So, let me so, ask you, is that, one of, mm-hmm. is that one of the things you would say is probably as far as um, black men and issues as communities go and the issues go. And let me give this out here. Again, this is People's Black Panther Party, uh, Self-Determination, Independence Black Talk Radio. We're chopping it up. The role of black family in the liberation struggle. 
we've been discussing now male and female um, relationships. You know, to get mm-hmm. along. Um, we're talking to uh, Queen K. What do you want me to call you, Queen Kim, Queen K. Mac, or? It don't matter. I'll answer the phone. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, talking to Queen K, definitely, and I always appreciate her contributions and insight into the um, conversations. And we're talking about, right now, male and female relationships. And one of the things that I heard you, you're talking about is this rage and how your father made you feel protected and your man mm-hmm. gave you that, your husband, I don't want to say your man, pardon me. Um, your That's husband, fine. You that too. <laughs> okay. You know, had given you that that sense of security, that sense of of peace, and to where you right. felt protected. Is that something right. that you would say is broad? And this is for you too, um, Minister. Is that something that is broad in the community amongst our women? Are women not feeling protected? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would agree. They're well, not. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I would say so. Um, I have a. I have a, a fellow Panther uh, comrade, and right now she's single, you know, and she hit me up one day, and she's venting, you know, about, you know, her boyfriend or, you know, how, you know, the situation or whatever. And like I told her, I said, when you're with him, do you feel safe? That was the first thing I asked her. There you go. Boom. And I asked her that for several reasons. One, with you being a Panther, if you're going to have a mate, you need to have somebody that's going to have your back. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's right. Um, so, and she, and she said no. And then, you know, I told her, I, I said, what it sounds like to me is you have settled for the sake of not being alone. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so she was willing to give up that, you know, overlook the fact that he wasn't a protector, overlook the fact that he wasn't a provider. For mm-hmm. the sake, you know, so what I have seen, and I love, brothers, if there's any men out there, I don't want this to be a one-sided, you know, uh, you know, woman's point of view on, on, on tonight's show. If there's any brothers out there that want to chime in, press one. But what I have noticed is women are, young women, I'll say, are over, are starting to overlook some of the the vital uh, elements of the foundation of a relationship, you know, and, and letting things slide that they know that uh, is needed to, to make it in a relationship. You know, so, again, you have to reprogram your own mind. You have to start with yourself, in my opinion, as a woman. You have to, you, you know what you did wrong, okay? It may not have been your fault, but look at you know, like we talked about the common denominator, you know, okay, well, every relationship that went wrong, you know, was I looking for a certain type? Did I overlook certain things? Because if we don't start to talk to these young women and they need us just as much as young men need that positive male influence, but if we don't start to talk to these young women and, one, show them their self-worth and, you know, that they don't have to settle for anything. You don't have to look like a girl on the video because that's what men are attracted to, you know, so on and so forth. Because the same way we have types as women, men go through the same thing where they grow up having a certain type. I'm not my husband's type either. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not my my husband's type either. I'm too dark and I'm brown. You know what I mean? So um, 
he, you know, we have to we have to start having these conversations with your daughters, with your nieces, so on and so forth, and and change their way of thinking. You know, my husband what? has something that he does with the, with my daughters, and it's annoying to me at times. Uh, you know, those are daddy's girls, but you know, he tells them. You know, they're beautiful probably a, a million times a day. And I said, I asked him, why do you tell them that so much? He said, you know why I tell them that so much? He said, because that way when they step out into the world, a man telling them they're beautiful or giving them, in, you know, you know, uh, minor compliments are not going to sway them because they've heard them their yep. whole life. Right. Right. You know, you're not That's gonna hard. you're I've not gonna that. fall for the first dude who, you know, uh try to holler at you in the club and tell you, you know, you, you're so gorgeous and all, okay, my daddy told me that my whole life. What's next? Mm-hmm. You know, and that's, that's what my husband day. told me. And right. We have to start pro reprogramming because it, <clears throat> you have to understand, for some of us it, it, I'm not saying it's too late, but if we're talking about the grand scheme of things of changing the black family and black liberation via the black family we need to start, at some point, we're going to have to break the cycle. So we need to start doing that, not only within ourselves, but in our youth. Because that's where the change is going to come from. It's going to come in. Let's bring, uh, I want to bring our, our Minister Justice into this conversation, most definitely. I see she's channeling on. Dr. Justice. Um, Black Power family. Uh, Black You know. Um, hey, Minister. I, hey, how are you, Minister? I'm good. I'm good. I, I was listening to the conversation, and it, it reminded me one time of a they had a um, symposium in Newark at the Robert Treat some years ago, and they were saying, um, you know, it was one of those how to be a strong woman, you know, and, and and it really took me through like how much stronger can we possibly be, you know, like mm-hmm. my God, you know, I think that I, I think what happens. Um, in, in the black home is that black women are expected to be strong, so strong, you know, um, no matter what's going on. You're supposed to always be able to handle anything that's coming down the pipe, you know, not to mention, you know, somebody touching you in the dark and all that madness. And and mm. then when you get older and you start looking for a guy, the first thing you start, the first thing that you look for is somebody that's going to protect you. And I need to say that um, a lot of times, you know, um, I had two fathers growing up, but what I'm saying is that the fathers that I had were very strong men. They were very, very strong men, and I'm talking about the type of men, like gangster type men. And 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 then when you start to recognize that the types of dudes that you picking, you, you got to. At one point, I said, "Well, damn, I want somebody that's gonna beat up everybody except me." <laughs> you know, um, not that mm-hmm. I've ever had anybody. Not that I've ever had anybody, because see, what happens from being such a strong woman, you go up with that rage, especially if you have a father that was really, really, was really strong, and you have a mother that was really strong, and 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 you combine all of the things that they wanted you to be, and to always constantly be this strong person. What happens is that rage come forward. So mm-hmm. you know. Um, that rage is nothing to play with, and I think that a lot of our young women, a lot of our young women are not paid enough attention to. They're expected to be a certain, uh, um, they're expected to be these strong black women. Like, um, 
you know, um, you got you got to act this way because then you'll shame this one. You got to act that way or you'll shame this one. You got to make sure you take care of the household. Got to make sure. And all mm-hmm. these things are expected when you're a child. I remember watching mm-hmm. this when I was six years old. So, yep. you know, um, from there you start, um, you, you taking care of the home front and the family. So I said that to say this, you know, um, the chairman asked us, you know, he asked the question about uh, what is it that the women be looking for. For one thing, they're looking for some damn relief. <laughs> you know, I can say that they're looking for some relief, and I'm talking about um, relief as far as your mind not having to work so damn much. You know, mm-hmm. relief as far as not having to confront every situation that comes in your path. You need somebody that's going to jump in and say, hey, wait a minute. You ain't got to deal with this. I'm going to deal with this. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. I can say that the gentlemen that I picked, yes, they were these strong men, but they were strong men in other areas. When it came to holding down the house, guess who held down everything I did? You know, they'll give you the money. They'll give you the money. They'll make sure that um, everything is financed. Because, see, what they were told when we was coming along is that they got to financially provide. So they financially provided, but at the same time, you was the one that handled everything. So, mm-hmm. again, as I say, you know, in dealing with uh, – uh, what it is that we look for, you know, uh, then you become more conscious um, as you get older, um, becoming more revolutionary, and, and the things you look for in a man, because if a man is not a revolutionary, because I went through that dating thing, sis, and let me tell you, we sitting at the table, and we, we haven't been there, and this guy and I are talking apples and oranges, and I'm talking about the state of, of our people and, and, and the state mm-hmm. of the world as it applies to us. And he said, I don't want to hear that. That's depressing. I want to talk yep. about, um, he wants to talk about his daughter. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and, and and needless to say, that didn't go anywhere. So, you know, and, and it's really hard because the majority of, of, of these men in the revolution, they're not really working for no white men. They're not going to do that. So it's a lot of different, so it's a give and take situation. You got to um, find yourself. Well, for me, let me just speak for me, an individual that's going to protect me, protect the home front, make sure my mind don't have to work so daggone hard, you know, um, and, 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 and be a revolutionary and all about his people. And then as the, the, I heard the chairman say, if, if God is the focal point, all them things fall into place. The majority of it will fall into place. So um, I'm, I'm just letting you all know I'm listening, and it just took me so many places. It took me so many places. You know, I know about being abstinent and staying out of a relationship because that rage will make you be in jail for a homicide. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they used to say, you know why women women cry is to keep them mm-hmm. from going to jail. That used to be the saying back in the day. That's why women cry. That's why they shed a tear. Not that they hurt. It's to keep them out of jail. Keep the woman out Man, I had gotten to uh-huh. the point where- well, mm-hmm. I had made, I, I, you know, beware the woman that decides she ain't going to cry no more. You know, yeah. I remember that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. So, yeah. and then we see, we, we see <laughs> our children. We do. And our children have to raise. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, was, you know, was, I'm going to. Go ahead, brother. Go ahead. Let me send out my disclaimer to all you brothers because y'all owe me one. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are getting a rare insight. So, you know, remember who brought it to you first. It was your brother. Okay. No, that's, that's your, so, 
you know, but talking about that rage, because that's serious, and there's something that Dr. Justice shared with me that I found interesting, and I'd like for us to touch on that a little bit, because um, maybe that goes into that rage, and and it goes into really what making the um, male-female relationships work in revolution. Um, and what the sister shared with me was that she realized she was a female before she knew she was black. Yeah. The, yeah. That same you know, here. I like, really. Really, is that, yeah. it's that, you know, so that's some insight into what is it that does this, because I know this has to go into shaping your opinions and, and thoughts about men and black men in in particular or in general, specifically. So how does it go into, how does it play into that? I, I think that what happens is you don't, for one thing, you don't trust adults. You, you don't trust adults. And, um, and, and, and it takes you a long time to kind of figure out, uh, figure yourself out and how you're going to deal with the situation. But the rage is in not being able to say nothing for so long. And that ain't mm-hmm. even, and, and the thing is, it ain't even that particular person that did it. It's probably a few people that that um, was, was on that touches in the dark thing. It was a few people, so it wasn't just that one. And, 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 and the rage comes from not being able to say anything and not being mm-hmm. able to, to be empowered, to actually be empowered, be empowerless mm-hmm. at that time. And that's what I'm black women from birth. So you say I'm from birth out of, in the black community. Because now I'm putting you on record and saying that in the black community, our black women are suppressed by social practices in so many yeah. words. And somewhat, yeah. Well, yeah. That's, where you come, and then, that's, where, that's where the angry black women um, phrase comes from. You know, um, mm-hmm. because any time... This is what we're faced with on a day-to-day basis, whether it be at work with your coworkers or whatever, or whether it be at home. You know, black men say, I don't want to date a black woman because she's loud, she's boisterous, she has an attitude. So you now you have to scale back to, to keep away from that stereotype. You go to work, and if there's something going on and you speak your mind, you're considered an angry black female, and then now somebody's making an HR complaint because they say they feel threatened. Mm-hmm. You know, so as a as a black woman, you know, we don't, we don't really allow to voice our opinion with any type of passion. You know what I mean? Because you're going to be pegged by someone, whether it be a man, whether it be a coworker, another woman. You know, it's an attitude. So why can I not express myself without it being deemed an attitude? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or, and, be, or, be um, or being controlled. Right. You can't, right. And you then, can't so now you have that whole stigma that we have to fight against the angry black woman that's why i only date you know asians or white women because they're more exactly well, you know, yeah, when, when the fact mm-hmm. of the matter is you know uh, you know a, a black woman might slash your tires or bust a window a white woman gonna feed you a uh, uh small doses arsenic. of uh <laughs> arsenic <laughs> or antifreeze you, in your car you, you, you don't see too many women. black women on tap i'm just saying <laughs> Listen, and I, me, brothers, if you guys are out there, I want you guys to chime in, please. I, I would love yeah. to hear your perspective on what these these black women are saying to you. I want to yeah, know what absolutely. you guys think about what we're saying. Absolutely, brothers, you, Yeah, I see, and I see them listening. I think that you know, but a lot of it, and I see they're on here. And I'm gonna go to the phone lines. I see you lighting up. I don't know if it's the brother says I'm about to um, open your line, but you know, a lot of times I speak for the brother. A lot of these brothers are probably like, no, I'm not. Oh, but please let's touch go. it. Please touch it. You know. Okay, let's go to our phone lines. Um, 
Area code 323-5988. Your mic is open. Okay. They just dropped off. They pressed one, but they just dropped off. Okay. Um, I don't know if that was, right. you know, I don't know. That may have been one that Brave that just dropped off. But let's go back so we can go back. So this is where the strong black. So where does this leave the black man? How do they, you know, when you come from this, so-called what they say this angry black woman syndrome or this strong black woman I have to be a strong black man so where does this leave the black man what is she looking for now is is it too much you know how do you balance strength separate the strength from a masculine energy or from being you know what would be perceived as too manly or too domineering in one area particular area where do you find the cross lines have the traditional roles changed you know no they didn't, I don't think so Okay. I don't think so because I know for me, I can only speak on me, um, I still have that, that rage. However, when I met my late husband and he was like, I got you, I will protect you, that was the first time that I was able to rest and not be angry. You know, and and don't tell a woman especially a black woman, I'm in your corner, I'm going to protect you, I got you. And then you get what you want to get and you start slacking in that because this does get tiring after a while. It is a lot. You've, I don't know, just like, you know, the ministers have both said, it's a constant fight. It's every day. Black men think they fight every day. They do, but so do we. And yeah. it comes from so many directions because women can multitask like ain't nobody's business, so we're going to get it from more directions, and we're exhausted. And it's not something that I personally don't think I bring on myself, um, but it's always an attack. For instance, if I want to wear my hair natural and have a fro, um, I'll get little comments, oh, you think you're Angela now. So I need to address that. Hold up. Time out. You're not going to disrespect me or my ancestors. That's not what we're going to do today. Um, I hear from my daughters, you know, that people, oh, you're wearing braids today. That's awfully ethnic of you. So I have to teach my daughters how to fight, you know, and it, it doesn't make any sense. And so if a man is coming into my world who says he loves me, that love includes protecting me. That love includes take on some of this that I have so that I can actually sleep for more than four hours or five hours, you know, so I can rest yeah. is more like it, you know, because I I sleep like everybody else, but I don't rest. There's no time to rest. And so brain never shuts off. To, it, it does not. It does not. So if, if you're coming into my world, help me. You know, yeah. I understand the God part. I really do. But see, when they come with the God part, you're my helpmate. I'm not yours. Hold up. Time out. That's where I have a problem with the God piece because I'm telling you what I need. This is how you're going to love me. You know, I'm learning how to love you, but now I'm telling you how I need to be loved, not the way you think I need to be loved. And that's also where that other problem comes in. You know, and, and I'm just and saying... I shouldn't be out here fighting, plain and simple. Right. 
and, but, and let's, but that and let's rage is real. important for the re- revelation for the revolution. The rage is important. Don't get me wrong. I ain't gonna put it. De- you know, not fight when it's time. But every day, help me out with that. Assist me right. Because let's 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 be real. There's no being on this earth that is more unprotected than the black woman. I don't care what anybody says because That's we got it right. coming at us from all angles. Yeah. So the last yeah. thing you want, and and this does not this does not just apply to relationships. This right. applies to a black men and black women interacting on any level. The last thing you want is to have a relationship with a man, um, even if it's as a comrade, and know that they don't have your back or you're not protected. Mm-hmm. You know, Chairman. You right. know, you and I have talked about that before. You know, I don't ask me to. I'll do everything you ask me to do, whether it's in a relationship, you know, my position in the party, whether it be, you know, um, anything that I have going on in the community. But if the the opportunity or the situation arises, and I see that you are not in my corner, we have a problem. It's a problem. You know, and and one thing I had to do when I was dating. My, my now husband is I had to let my guard down enough to tell him the things that I have been through, and you know at one mm-hmm. point he stopped me and said well, i don't want to I don't want to hear about them them other dudes I, I'm not them I said, no, you need to hear this, you need to hear right. what I have been through, so one, you know not to do it, two, you mm-hmm. know who triggers me. And three, you know what I am not looking for. And you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, you mm-hmm. need to know that, you know, uh, my son's father put his hands on me. So, so now you know it, that is something that's off the table. That's not going to be tolerated. Well, you need to know how I feel about infidelity. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. these are the things that I have been through. So when you're dealing with a man, we have to um, – we have to, I, you know, you have to put your guard down enough to let them know the things that you have been through. I have become an open book when it comes to the things that I've been through, not because I just care for people to be in my business. But one, you need to know how to address me and how to interact right. with me, whether you're a but friend, you know, you're a husband. Mm-hmm. You but know, so. Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry, Minister. Something should be what? A given? No, I was going to say some some things eventually as some like communication is very important. But to go back mm-hmm. like what you were saying, the reason I say you know God, are aspects of God, revolution being one of those aspects or components of God in my life, um, is because you know you can get into catering like you saying, well, no, he's supposed to be my help me. He's like you're supposed to be his help me. But like really, in in my thing is. If we're both, the revolutions help me, be, that being God in my life at this point, our aspect of God. So let's say God. God's helped me. Aren't we at least communicating and we eventually will speak the same language? Because if he has to be your help me, help, meet you, help you meet what? Or if you have to be his help me, help him meet what? You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, there has to be an, an objective. There has to be an end but that game. But we- dialogue. Right. That comes yeah, to dialogue. Does, you yeah. can't, you know, a man, yeah. men don't know we are mind readers. You know, so told my husband, you know, when we were talking about his ex-wife. So the other day we were going through our finances. One of his biggest problems with his ex-wife was that she was, you know, manipulating money, stashing money away, so on and so forth. So the other day we were talking about bills, 
And I said, okay, baby, I'm breaking it down to the dollar form. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so but in six months we should be here. You know, this be paid off, whatever. He said, I don't need you to explain all that to me. I trust you. I said, no, this ain't about trust. I said, I know what you have been through in the past. I said, so because of what you've been through in the past, I am overly transparent when it comes to funds. Because that woman wiped you clean when y'all got divorced. So I... Because I know that, I don't want you to ever doubt in your mind where your money right. is going. You know, so that's that's an example. But what I'm saying is that it's important that we as people, when we're entering relationships, so you don't go through it again, you talk about what you've been through. You know, and, um, you know, when we first met, I did a background check on my husband. Okay? And, and at first he was kind of offended. Mm-hmm. And he was like, really? You did a background check on me? I said, let me explain something to you. Um, right. I don't bring anybody around my kids. Children. To right. this capacity, to, you know, to around a world. And at this time, I have boys, and he's a man, so, you know, but stranger things have happened. You know, but I don't bring anybody around my, my children without properly vetting them and finding out if you're a weirdo or not. So the simple fact right. of the things that I have been through in my childhood. You know what I mean? My mother, my mother's first husband, he was a, he was a professor. He had his own business, so on and so forth. But he also molested me for three years. Now, if she it never dawned on her, she was so busy looking at finding this mate that could help her financially that she didn't even really pay attention to the fact that he was a creep. So what I have had to do is, you know, um, I had to, you know. I can't have that around my kids. So when we when we started to have daughters, I was very protective. No, 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 you can't bathe her. You know, so on and so forth. And he, that's my daughter. Why would you ever think I would do it? I'm not saying you would do anything to her. I'm I feel this way and I'm yeah. passionate about that because of the things that have happened in my past. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So we need to be transparent with another so the cycle can break. And there's no way you're going to break a cycle of, of, of past mistakes if, the, if your mate that you're currently dating doesn't even know what you've been through. Because you, what you appear to be is bitter, crazy, you know, whatever. But if they mm-hmm. knew, you know what I mean, then they, they'd understand. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I don't play when it comes to, you know, uh, beating of kids. You know, because I got the hell beat out of me growing up. So I, I have found alternate ways to discipline my kids, and that's something that me and my husband go back and forth with all the time because, you know, he's a spare, spare uh, you know, spare for the child. He, you know, so he believes in, you know, getting on him. And like I told him, I don't have a problem with spanking, but what we're not going to do is, is beat. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're not going to go that far. You are strong. You know, yes, he's 15, but you are strong. And, Although we don't agree, he understands because he knows what I went through. You know what I'm saying? So in order for you to have a helpmate, whether it be with the kids, whether it be with finances, you have to let your partner know what it is that you've been through. Correct. You know, yeah. so we, you can curve that rage, you know, because yeah. a lot of us have had this rage from an early age and the things that we have been exposed to. And unfortunately, that shapes us into the adults that we become. Exactly. But, you know, finding ways, too, I think, too, to add to that, finding healthy ways to deal with it. You know, it's one thing. I attended a workshop, 
and we had a um, an exercise like that, and it was about we had these stones. You know, I'm not going to go into the whole exercise anyway. The gist of the exercise was about carrying your own issues and taking other people's issues and carrying them around your neck. So not only, you know, letting our mates know what we've been through and what we expect, but also being able to help provide a service that may because now you might have traumatized the hell out. You know, it's a lot to lay on some, okay, you know, I was molested as a child. Damn. You know, damn, what do I say to that? You know, I mean, like, damn. Who, You know what I'm saying? So sometimes we have to think about, I'm not, I'm not making light of the issue, the shock of just some of the things, you know, I was raped. This is why I'm dealing. So now I'm dealing with the whole, yo. So also, and this is the importance of communalism and strong communities and creating those resources uh, and services that provide that type of help and counseling for both parties in it. Because we expect that we got the baggage, and what we do is we unload that baggage our stuff and their stuff and some more stuff. So really providing those services and and using utilizing those resources to help us to deal with these issues that affect us as black families. Because that's, cause that's real. Go ahead, sister. Mental illness is real, and mental illness being ignored in the black community is real. So like you said, what ends up happening is now you've gotten into a relationship with a person now, you can do one of two things. Either you can be transparent and put it all out there, and if the person decides to stick around, they decide to stick around, or, you know, uh, you can scare them off. But either way, a lot of times the 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 things that we face in our relationships um, could have been avoided, you know, or they are something that's deeply rooted. So now it's being projected onto your mate. You know, and that's why I said you have to take time to heal and reprogram yourself because if not, you will you will damage your relationship before you you know you will, uh, sabotage your relationship before you even get into it. You know, and we we talked about rage all night. That is, that's not just with the black woman. You know, I made a, po- a post on Facebook, and I and my question of the day was, do you think that the you know men aren't supposed to cry or telling your little boys to suck it up? you know, uh, be a man, you know, you don't cry, do you think that that's damaging? Because that happens with black men, too. You you grow up, yeah. and yeah. you're not, you know, you're not supposed to show any type of emotion. You're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to whine, so on and so forth. But well, what you do is you create these men. They go from boys to men who now do not know how to, um, how to express themselves or how mm-hmm. to deal, go through any type of emotional situation. So guess what? Now we got black men who don't know how to even have an argument or a debate mm-hmm. with somebody without it turning violent because they've never, they've, they've been raised to hold, to suppress that. And pressure bust pipes. So now you mm-hmm. stepped on my shoes in the club, and instead of being able to talk about it, look like, you know, you stepped on my shoes, you know, let me, let me buy you a drink. And instead of being able to, to talk it out, you know, that turns into bottled up rage. So now I'm fighting. Now I'm picking up a gun. Yeah, I'm and, shooting. And I'm, I'm harming my own people. Right. Well, I'm You in, know, now I'm, I'm beating on my women. All right. Well, let me, let me holler to that because, you know, I don't know how to take it. You're waiting on a brother to call because you got a black man on the phone. If the brothers won't rep, I, you know, I'm here. I would definitely rep. <laughs> um, you know, it goes to, it really, a lot. Black, that's a rites of past. It's funny, man. I was just having this conversation with, with, with someone, you know, a 
about this very same thing. And um, we were talking about, and we got to understand that black men go through that like women, when they go through their, hit their uh, puberty and they go through their changes, they go through with the cycle and everything. Men go through it. It's just called rage. It's called anger. It's called manhood. You know, um, the old heads used to call it smelling yourself. Smelling yourself, ain't mm-hmm. you? Testicles heavy, ain't you? That's, yo, we go through that. So when you go through that and you don't have rites of passage programs, you don't have activities to help me channel that. You don't have things to release this energy or to help me to set up a standard of achievement and accomplishments to defy what manhood is, what respect is, what honor is. I haven't been taught these things. So my respect and my honor is in my shoe. It's a brand-new white shoe. This shoe costs $250. You're just going to step on my shoe, bro, because my every everything in the world and society, the music is telling me manhood is defined by my You know what I'm saying? No longer do it. You got to understand that, man, we go through that too, the selection process. It's not only do we have a certain type with image of a certain type, but also that you must be a certain caliber of brother. Not even no real man. You just got to be. A man of means, a look like you played, a look like you got, fake it till you make it type stuff. You know, it's become very materialistic, and and um, uh, uh what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, materialistic and um, just I, the word I'm not looking for. You know, flamboyant type of foolishness. You know, so our young men, our young men are faced with this when there's a scarcity in jobs. Everybody's not going to be able to NBA player, you know, or um, a rapper. You know, but dope is plentiful. And if dope is not plentiful, like you said, the other thing, if I can't provide my woman, if I can't get a woman based on my material possession, maybe I can get it based on my power. So I join it. So that's part of the allure. Now, that's not the only reason. I used to bang, so I'm not, don't get me wrong, my bangs out there. You know, are people who don't understand that culture and that lifestyle, because it is a culture and a lifestyle that goes with it. Young brothers and young sisters ain't just out there just going rampage as a culture and lifestyle. So, but if I can't get a woman as a young man based on my finances because I don't have it like that, maybe I can do get it on what you lady said yourself is appealing and attractive and women are in a scarcity of and love. That's the power. I can provide protection. I'm part of a strong group. I make moves. I got boys. You good. So these are, you, so the, so, we have to understand that we're all part of a cycle. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We're all part of a cycle. So a lot of our choices and behavior is based on that cycle that we're in. There's very few people just joining gang, real, real, real gang members, joining gangs just to be joining gangs. The real gang members. I ain't talking about the, you know, the, the people where it's become a fad now. But those people that did it for it means a survival a means of propagation to protect. There's very, you know, dope, the drug business has its allure. It has its ups and downs. So I don't think that society is really providing. The only thing they keep telling us as black males is that we're an endangered species. We're dying off, and they show us that in the news. And then, so you already got this cat feeling inferior, like you said, Minister, enraged. And he finally gets um, with a woman. You know what I'm saying? He's already got this rage. He's beat down. He feels like he's being stifled. The only way for him to really make it 
is to lose himself. You're talking about a warrior class. That's like taking a Zulu and putting him in a, in a Burger King uniform. That's only going to work for so long. You know what I'm saying? So outlets have to be provided. So now, you know, and, and that's even limited. So now you're taking this warrior, and you're and in order for him to succeed, he has to be docile. He has to be complacent. He has to be subdued. We wonder why these boys stay on lean, smoke like they smoke, get high like they get high. Because that's the only way they survive. And it's the brothers that the streets that I'm from. Because if they weren't self-medicating and was turned up fully with the rage and the anger inside of them and this energy that we haven't provided outlets for, man, the city would burn. Literally, it would burn. So now we're dealing with, like you were saying, this mental illness. And then we're dealing with roles not clearly being defined. So now mm-hmm. a lot of men who don't have these living in this have been reduced to just slaves. So now we even slaves for black women. You think that brother's getting over. He's sitting there. He's playing the PlayStation. Nigga, you don't work. You're getting high. You ain't doing nothing. You're playing the PlayStation. What he supposed to do? He really don't know. His daddy ain't been in his life. Ain't no real dude been in his life like that. You know, the things that he's seen. So you think he's sitting there playing PlayStation, this and that. Sometimes in that man's mind, he wish he could just blend in with the sofa and disappear. It is hell not knowing your place in life and not knowing your worth and not knowing what to do. Because like you said, remember, he's been raised doing this, washing dishes is soft. Doing this is girls' work. Doing that is girls' work. So he don't really have a lot of domestic skills to contribute, and his employable skills and being employed is zero. So he's there. He can provide some shit, some love, some hugs, and some kisses, and that's going to grow old. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's whole. Like, when I talk about that cycle, and I didn't mean to just go on and on, it's just such a touchy subject for me <clears throat> watching, <clears throat> excuse me, young men you know, um, try to defy their place in society and old men, you know, us older brothers still trying to make a place. You know, I watch my young brothers try to defy it and us still trying to make it or at least knock a niche out of it so that when they do defy who they are in society, they have the substance to build on that with. But just imagine, and that's where the despair comes in. And I'm over the floor, man, because I could go on and on about this subject. But I just want to give a little insight into the perspective of, 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 of what, you know, a lot of black males. And brothers out there, if you want to jump in, you'll add to it or disagree with something I said. Feel free. If I, you know, press and and if, I can, if I can, I wanted to yes. say you, you open in the position that I'm at now where I'm, I guess, dating. No, I'm not dating. But I uh, get to meet different men, so to speak. And at my age, it's very, very interesting what is starting to come. I don't know if it's because they're towards, you know, the second part of their life. I don't know. Um, but they communicate a little bit more. I would have to say those men that I do talk to, I would, about 80% have shared very similar um, intimacy encounters or sexual encounters that black women have. The average man that I've talked to that are in the 50s and 60s lost their virginity between the ages of 9 and 11 by a grown woman, usually a family member. And when they talk to me about that, and part of it, because I take care of victims, 
when they talk to me about that, I, I think what helps me too is to understand how that impacts them just like it impacts us. And so some of that rage exists because even though society says, oh, yeah, you're 13 and you've got a 25-year-old woman, that's the best, it doesn't really impact them that way. It leaves them confused. It leaves them feeling violated. It leaves them feeling hurt. It leaves them feeling angry. What does a 20-year-old have to do with a 9-year-old? Why is, is, is a 30-year-old woman, you know, banging a 13-year-old boy? You know, and I'm seeing that more often than not. Yeah. And Sister as Kim, I, I talk to, I wanna, yes, I want to chime in on that because that was you're actually going into the next point that I was going to bring up as far as you know, mm-hmm. the, um, when you mentioned the age difference, what I'm what I'm seeing now, and I'm I'm talking about um, what I'm seeing with my little cousins, you know, maybe in their teens and their twenties, is I'm noticing mm-hmm. this era where women are taking care of men. You know, like you said, Chairman, you know, um, he want to sit at home and play PlayStation all day, so on and so forth. So I asked my little cousin today. I said, hey, because uh, while you, she's, she's 19, or no, she's 20. I asked her, I said, while you were at work all day, who watches your daughter? And she said, her dad does. Okay, now, while that's great, you know, that he watches the kid, in her mind, She's like, okay, well, he's saving me money on daycare, you know, because he's staying at home, so on and so forth. What I, what I see is I see women taking care, um, I don't know if it's a maternal instinct or what, but taking care of these young men. So a brother made a post on Saturday, and he said, no disrespect with this post because I love black women. But do y'all know you guys are the only ones that look down on, in quote, squares? He said, not all, but a lot. You know, there's a a big difference between a square, excuse my language, and being a bitch. Get you a strong man who's really 100 for you and don't make excuses. So I get where he's coming from. But my question to you, Chairman, as a man or any other man, press one, please chime in. Um, Is it that women um, don't want a strong man? A strong man, or is it that it's too many men out there that um, who 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 created this? Who started this cycle? Because what, what he meant by square way is you know somebody who's making money the legal way, so on and so forth. You know, so in the comments, people, you know, guys are talking about, oh, you guys just want men, you know, who wear flashy clothes. You got to be a rapper. You know, this this is the age a uh, twenty to thirty year old age group. You know, you guys just want a man that, you know, dresses this way or, you know, um, he's a gangbanger or a pimp, something. This is, you know, popular. This is what you women are attracted to. Meanwhile, you got brothers over here who hold down regular jobs and you won't give them the time of day. Okay, well, my reply to that was, all right, well, women women are attracted to that. At some point I was too. But who, who, who personified or glorified that first? You know what I mean? Is it is it the woman for wanting it? Because guess what? A woman, if it was never presented to the woman, then we wouldn't have this situation. So is it men? Yeah. It's is it men case. that need to, to change the image? Or are, no. is it women 
that need to change what it is that they're attracted to. It's a it's a it's a social dynamic. It's a dog chasing its tail. Women do it to attract the men, and men do it to attract the women. So it keeps going on. You know what I'm saying? Women, you know, men think women are attracted to it, so they do it, and women think that's what men do, so they are attracted to, so they do it. So it's just a dog chasing its tail. I think that though, I do think our women want strong men. I think that that all of that is is just when you destroy people's social culture, when you destroy people's social structure, you know, you destroy their moral compass. So it's only natural that that woman is attracted to that. That speaks to a primitive side of that woman, which speaks to a side of provision. She see, it's just it's 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 strictly speaking to a lower. Nature, not a, I don't want to say a lower nature, a pure nature of provision. She sees wealth usually means provision and substance, and substance means stability. So it goes to that whole maternal instinct. So she wants a strong man. It's what she defies as strength. You know, having been one of those brothers who have been, had the opportunity, pleasant opportunity, to be, um, stay with my children at a particular time in their development and, Go sit in the classroom. I was at the, at the school, Dad. I was that dude. Man, it was kudos to those single women, to those mothers who do it. That has to be some of the strongest stuff. So it depends. What to me, that's strong. I think that I had grew a whole nother, especially if you knew my background. You know, I came out of this strict, understand religious understanding, very Islamic. Women had a role. Sister, don't speak. Yo, walk behind me. What are you doing? Don't. So I didn't really appreciate what went into womanhood and motherhood and steel strap into, you know, I had to be the brother doing this and, you know, grabbing kids and still, you know, at this time I had this little part-time thing going on, jump here and hold this little jump, still get back and get kids and all this type of, yo. So that's, um, man, we don't even, I don't even have a lot of time to answer the question. So I think it defies what strength is. Maybe we'll revisit the topic. We are Definitely time running out. It's been a wonderful show. I want to thank everyone for calling in and participate. Thanks. Appreciate you, Minister Latrice. We'll be on next week. Check us out. We're moving to Tuesday. It's your brother, Chairman Yang and Krumah. People's Life Family Party of Self-Determination, Black Independence Talk Radio. I leave you as I greeted you. All powers to oppress people. African power to an African people. Black power. Black power. Black power. Black power. Black power.